I, I like that we worship God. We didn't just sing songs this morning. And worship is one of the ways where heaven and earth become one. And if you sense something shift in your atmosphere, which you probably did this morning, it's an invitation to live from that place. Like some people just like, oh, that felt better. And they don't realize that that feeling better is a place that you're invited to live from. Do you know that you don't have to ask for peace if you're in Christ? You just have to receive peace. But to receive peace, you'll have to cast your burden upon him. What does he say? Cast your burden upon me because I care for you. So he liked to care for you. It's kind of like he'd like to save the whole world, but if you, if you don't receive him, then you can't receive what he done for you. It's, it's really fascinating relating to God because, I don't know why I'm saying this, but it's very fascinating relating to God because he's not need-based. If he was need-based, all the world's problems would be fixed. Sometimes people think because I have a problem, God's just going to fix it, and I don't have to actually trust him to fix it. He may do that, but the way he'd like to do it is, I'm going to give you this problem, and I'm going to trust what you've said about it. And as I give you this problem, I trust you to do exactly what you've said about it. There's nowhere in Scripture where he ever turned anyone away where they go, hey, I'd like to, get, I'd like to receive a healing. He didn't go, no, no, I'm just not in the mood to do that. We have to get delivered of the concept that talking to God is like playing the lottery. A lot of people approach God like that. They're like, God, help me. And they're hoping he helps them. But if you approach him properly, you'll receive what he said about it. Part of what I've learned, though, is a lot of people have experienced disappointment, so they don't want to trust God in case he doesn't do something. So I'd rather live a life just down. Like, do you know it's a whole lot easier just to believe that God won't do anything? Because if you believe he won't do anything, you'll receive what you believe. (laughs) but then the other side of that that I've learned is that I've been really learning this and it's this it's like if I'm not trusting God for impossible things then I really don't need him if there's not things in your life like if, if the only thing you've trusted God is for salvation but everything you can do in your life you can do on your own you're living way below because he'd like you to do the impossible it's the only way he displays his goodness to the world around you I have a prayer that uh, people will look at my life and they go, he's kind of good looking. He's a little short. But there's no way he could be doing that. There must be a God. Sometimes we've we've just reduced God to what we can do. And he'd like to really partner with us to change the world. That's what I, I really learned. I was like, I, I, had, I had that thought to me. Like, if, if I'm just trusting God for stuff I can do, there, this, something's wrong with this picture. Because the only way the earth changes is as it comes through the heart of a man and woman. God's not moving independently of people. If, he, if he's doing that, he would have jumped in between Adam and the devil. Don't do it. But he's so committed to his word that he goes, you're steward of the earth. Now... I, all, I can, all you can do now is, do is trust that you'll trust me for everything. It's really interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it's an interesting world we live in, that God gets blamed for a lot of stuff he, has, he doesn't have anything to do with. You know, I, I just got back from uh, Africa, uh, two, three different countries, and you watch what's happening in those countries, and you look at that and you go, 
man, this is, this is a tough way to live. But I live with the conviction that God really cares about those people. He doesn't love Americans more than he loves Africans. But if, if you set up a society a certain way, we're not perfect, but it was founded on religious liberty. People came here because they didn't want the tyranny of a government telling them how to worship. It really bothers people from other countries too. I like get all mad like, I don't, don't, don't blame me, blame the Bible. It's another picture too. God uses imperfect people. Like It's always brought up like the founding fathers did this and that. Well, they got a few things right. And created the greatest wealth the world has ever seen. Americans are the most, I don't know why I'm saying all this. This was not part of my message. I should stick to my message. But Americans are the most generous people around the world. There's so many places I've gone around the world where I go, oh, that's Western giving, that's Western giving, that's Western giving. That's helping these people. But you know what I've learned? Money doesn't fix things. We need to change minds. So change nations. That was a good Pentecostal clap. So that was round one. Uh, just real quickly, tell you about a few things. Have my book back there. If you haven't gotten it, you can repent before the day is up. <laughs> Buy the book. I have it in Spanish. Pastor, you got a copy of my book? You should. Oh, Spanish. In Espanol. Yo te bendiga, hermano. Pastor. There we go. So it's back there in Spanish. And then uh, two things. Uh, I know some of you pray for our ministry on a daily basis. We have a daily prayer guide where we focus on uh, specific things on specific days, uh, six days a week, because we take one day to rest. You should rest. You're not bigger than God. (laughs) It gets quiet when you say things like that to Americans. (laughs) Then the other side of that, some people are obsessed with doing nothing. It's true, Americans just... Anyway, but we believe Matthew 18, and you did it this morning, where two agree, it doesn't say it might be done, it shall be done. There's no maybe in certain things. And so uh, you can grab a prayer guide, and then if you feel connected with us, and you'd like to partner with us uh, as a ministry, you can do that. I do believe the Lord's given me a message for you this morning, and uh, let me just... Open my notes. But before I do that, is there someone here this morning, you have a a pain in your neck? Pain? Oh, why don't you guys stand? Yeah, go ahead and stand. How long have you guys had that pain? August 4th. August 4th. Did you have an accident or something? You fell. Are you in pain right now? Somewhat. How long have you had the pain? A little while. Looks like you work out, though, so, yeah. I used to look like that my other life. And how long have you had the pain? Twelve years. Well, let's practice what the Bible says. I don't believe God would just highlight that to me all morning to go, hey, let's just pray for him to make him feel better. Let's pray for him so they can get healed. So if you're around them and you want to come into agreement with that, why don't you lay hands on them? Let's get somebody, yeah, just get around them. And we're just going to 
pray together, so just hold on a second. We already know what the problem is. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we come into agreement with the people of God. God, 23 years is no big deal for the word of God. So we release the word of healing all across this room. We come into agreement. We cancel out all the pain in these necks in Jesus' name. Yeah, just keep praying. Just wait a few moments. Be healed today in Jesus' name. Be healed today. Come into agreement for healing. In Jesus' name. The name of Jesus. Just speak healing to your body. Just cancel all the pain your neck in Jesus name Jesus name what can you feel heat heat is good heat is good unless you're dead <laughs> did you have pain in your neck as well pastor okay how you feeling now good how do you feel sir Good. How do you feel? You felt heat? Heat is good. Heat is good. Do you feel anything change in your condition? It's about the same? Different? About the same? It's okay. I just know to pray and agree and believe. I had a lady years ago who had a fibromyalgia. And I just was calling out some words of knowledge, and she came up for prayer. She said, the only reason I came is because you knew my condition, because I've been prayed for for so many times. See, we've got to get past that disappointment thing. And then she said, you prayed for me, and I got more mad because I didn't feel anything happen. But the Bible teaches us not to be moved by what we see, because what we see is temporal. She's telling me this about three weeks later. She said, but every day I started getting better and better and better and better and better. And she said, I'm able to walk up and down into my apartment. It used to cause me terrible pain. So I never say nothing happened. I can say maybe I didn't see it happen right away. Amen. Is there anything wrong in your body here? Anything wrong in your body? No. You're good? 100%? A little bit of arthritis in my neck. A little bit of, that's something wrong. <laughs> He'll tolerate that stuff. You weren't born to live with that stuff. What's your name? 
Ann, can I grab your hand, Ann? I'm just going to release healing into your body. I bless you, because I kept seeing some, something happen with your body today. So in the name of Jesus, I release healing to this arthritis. I cancel out arthritis in your body in Jesus' name. By the end of this meeting, let your testimony be, something's happening in my body. And let there come a day where you don't have to use any medication or anything like that. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a good prayer. Hey, what's your name in the black? Aunt Jackie. I see you and your life, and I see that you've been going on this certain path the last um, about 10 years, 12 years of your life, and you've been cruising along, there's been challenges, there's been some difficult things. But the Lord says, in this season of your life, he'd like you to have the greatest fruitfulness in the things of the kingdom. And the Lord says, I don't want you to get uh, complacent at the pace that you're walking with me, because I'd like to upgrade you in certain things. And the analogy I'm getting, maybe because I fly all the time, is you're flying an economy, and economy's good, you like it, you're not complaining, but the Lord wants you to fly business class and eventually be flying in your own plane. So the Lord says, I want you to trust me for upgrades in every area. And the Lord says, sometimes we've lived in certain areas where there's been disappointment, where there's been heartache, where there's been pain. And because we haven't seen the breakthrough, we just kind of, okay, we live with it. And the Lord says, I want you to trust me to break through in every area that I lift you, this is just the analogy I'm using, out of economy and into first class. Because the Lord says, I'd like to bring you into first class. That's a good prayer. All right. Why don't we stand? Father, thank you. Thank you for hungry people, the gathering of the assembly of the people of God. Thank you, Lord, that this is a serious thing. This is a divine thing in your calendar. So give people ears to hear and eyes to see. Glorify your son here today. Father, without you, I can't do anything, but with you, I can do all things. Let all the gifts of the Spirit be in operation. You're free to interrupt the message. Do whatever you want here today, Lord. Glorify your Son. Let the Spirit of wisdom and revelation rest upon this word. Thank you for the angel, Lord, that's here. Thank you that this is an open heaven. This is Bethel. This is a house of God. This is the gate of heaven, the place where angels ascend and descend on the Son of Man. So let everything you, you desire to accomplish here in our gathering this morning, let it be fulfilled in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 I want to talk to you uh, this morning. I felt like the Lord put on my heart the topic of the Word of God. How many of you love the Word of God? I love the Word of God. If you have trouble engaging the Word of God, it probably means you just have to begin to develop that discipline because what we'll see this morning is you were actually created to live by the Word of God. And the Bible is a living book that consistently gives us understanding. It's not like the Word of God changes, but 
as revelation comes to us, what is on printed page becomes personal and has the ability not only to change our life, but the world around us. So we start in the book of Genesis, Genesis, origin, beginning in the Greek. Uh, in the book of beginnings, we see God's emphasis on the word of God. In the beginning, when time began, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, I always pause here because I always find this interesting because he tells us that he created heaven and earth. How many know that God doesn't need a place to live? (laughs) But he creates a place called heaven to show us where he wants to live. And I believe the other part of the reason he creates heaven is to show us what life he intends to be upon the earth. And Jesus does not give us prayers that can't be answered. He taught his disciples to pray, not after you die, but pray this way. Pray that heaven would be like earth. Excuse me, that earth would be like heaven. So he emphasizes the power of his word. And he puts into order what was out of order in the earth. Genesis 1, 3 through 5. God spoke. Genesis, 11, Genesis 1, 11 through 13. God spoke. Genesis 1, 14 through 15, God spoke. And notice, God could have just, in Scripture, just told us that I spoke the universe and then I finished it. But he's emphasizing how powerful what he speaks and how that creates and that accomplishes the will of God. God is not arbitrary. God doesn't just go, hey, maybe I'll throw an ocean over here. Maybe I'll put man here. It's very, very intentional. So if it can be described, it can, if we can describe God this way as God having a mind, his mind is very intentional and what he's intentional about, he speaks and what he speaks creates. Genesis 1, 14 through 15, God spoke, lights come out. Genesis 1, 20 through 23, God spoke, swarm oceans with fish and all sea and life. That's out of the message. Now I'm really preaching good because I'm spitting on my iPad. <laughs> Genesis 1, 24 through 25, God spoke, earth germinate life, every sort of thing, every sort and kind thing. Genesis 1, 26 and 28, God spoke, let us make man in our image. God's spoken word created the reality that he intended. God's word also contained within itself a characteristic in that which was spoken to reproduce after itself. The, reason, the, the, the thought there is this, that uh, the, he, when he speaks, he actually releases a seed into the earth where those things reproduce after itself. I don't believe that every tree that ever needed to be existed came into being, but the seed of the ability of those trees to be produced came into the earth. And I love this. Je- uh, Psalm says this. The, the, the writer here says, uh, Psalm 33, 9. For he spoke it and it was done. He commanded it and it stood fast. God is fully committed to his word. Said a, a, a minute ago, he is so committed to his word that in Genesis 1, 26, we won't look at just for the sake of time, 26 through 28, he said, he says to man, be over all the earth. He is so committed to that that he can't violate that once he's made Adam the steward of his earth. He can't jump in the middle and go like, don't do it. Don't do it. It also shows his commitment to people's choice. 
He's such a loving God. He's not in, he, he doesn't need anything out of himself. He's not looking for robots. So he actually, he actually gives humanity the ability to choose life and death. They can even choose death even, and they'll go to a place he never intended to them because he will honor their choice. He's that committed to you, uh, to you being able to decide what you want to do with your life. God's not sending anyone to hell. God designed to be of critical importance to our lives, our individual destiny, and the future of the world around us. God has given us the full counsel of Scripture and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to fulfill the mandate of the assignment He has, bo- he has given us as individuals and a corporate body. This is uh, the Apostle Paul speaking. Second, uh, obviously, I'm using a lot of verses just starting off here. Second Timothy 3, verse 16. All Scripture, not the Scripture you like, not, the scripture, not, not all the scripture you can understand. Like people say, I don't, I don't, I don't like what that says. It doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't work for me. The, the Bible's true whether it works for you a day in your life or not. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Old and new. Like some people say, well, that's not, that's not in the New Testament. That's, that's religious propaganda. Anyway, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That means sometimes the word of God is good to bring correction to us. That the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. That is what I like. The same word, this is why I emphasize this first part, the same word God used to put the universe that was out of order has been given as a gift to humanity to know its origins, a blueprint to disciple nations, and as an invaluable tool to give victory to every believer in every area of life. You know, it's interesting. I heard heard this. I'm not much, don't really delve into this much, but uh, they say the difference between a human and an ape is about 1% DNA. You know what that difference is? You're made in the image of God. That's why they think we came from apes. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a logical conclusion, but God's not logical. Like, let me help you guys out. Let's just read the Bible. <laughs> there are two primary Greek words that describe Scripture, which is translated in the, the New Testament. The first, logos, refers principally to the inspired word of God. Genesis, uh, excuse me, John 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, he was in the beginning with God. I always read that, and first of all, I'm fascinated by John, but I'm also, you you, you think about this, the God who speaks the universe into existence actually places himself within the limitations of the world that he created, so you could be right with him. You want to talk about humility? And you can't forgive your uncle? Second is the rhema. Rhema is a verse or portion of scripture that the Holy Spirit brings to our attention to a current situation or need. It also refers to the Holy Spirit speaking specifically, it's these teeth, about a situation, problem, or circumstance. Scriptural example is is this. When when, uh, Jesus is interacting with um, Peter for the first time we read in the book of Luke, 
It says, uh, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing, but nevertheless, at your word, at your rhema word, God gave him a specific word for that circumstance. It's a good story, too. You should read it. Because Jesus told him nets, he put a net, and he about sunk his boat. Listen to Jesus. God's rhema word comes to us as a byproduct of relationship with him. So it's really important is the, the, the Bible is meant to be understood out of a context of fellowship with God. That you're communing with God and that as you read scripture, he opens up scripture to you. I love what the apostle Paul prays in Ephesians 1. I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be open, that you might have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. The, 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 if, if he's praying that prayer, it actually tells us there's stuff we don't know. The stuff doesn't go beyond scripture, but as you hear those things, as there's a transfer between heaven and earth through your life, you're meant to understand that within the context of fellowship with God. Part of the difficulty of people trying to develop certain things or walk out certain things in their life is they hear things or they have understanding of a part of God, but they don't walk it out within the context of fellowship, so it's difficult to manifest what God told them 15 years ago. So everything begins and ends with relationship with God. And the beauty of God is this. He doesn't tell you everything you need, everything about your life in one moment. Because he wants to develop you within the context of that fellowship, that relationship. And here's the really good thing about God. How he disciples you is he sees the end from the beginning. He's not holding your flaws against you. He's a really good discipler. The reason he doesn't have to hold your flaws against you is he's put you in the same place as Jesus. He's made you righteous as him. It's not like he doesn't know it doesn't exist there. He just says, if you just stick with the process here, we'll get all those kinks worked out of you. I have jokingly said this. I have a prophetic word for everyone here, including myself. There are things about your life that God would like to change. But within that, he's not just putting up with you. He's actually favoring you like he favored Jesus. And this is what I'm learning. He'd like, there's, he'd like to give life to everyone. You just have to agree with him. In the kingdom, there is no such thing as self-preservation. If you're still holding on to things, still holding on to, oh, I like this, I like that. And we're not even talking about overtly sinful things, but things that we like to do better than God. I want to marriage my career. No, I need to do it this way. Or I need to do it that way. No, I want, I, want to, no, I want to control my kids this way. No, I want to control my money this way. That's why he says, you can't try and save your own life. He also tells you, you can't serve two masters. So the whole kingdom and relating to his kingdom is always, it's always based on the notion that you're all in. So many believers are frustrated because they're trying to add God to what they're doing, and there's a lot of cultures in America that let people add God to them. Just come for an hour and a half. I'm not saying short services are bad. I'm just saying they, they, they like to make it accommodating to people's needs instead of accommodating to God to change the world. 
So I, said, I asked the pastor, why, why are your services so short? Oh, the people like it. Oh. I think to myself, when you stand before God, you're going to tell Jesus the people liked it? Just a thought. The primary interest of God is in the formation of your relationship with him. It's out of that place that we hear his voice. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So as a believer, you should never say, I don't hear the voice of God. That's an illegal statement. Why do his sheep hear his voice? Because his, God's spoken word cannot be lived without. This is what Jesus said. But he answered them and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, sometimes people get the cart before the horse and, and they, and they like, oh, I need to hear, I need to hear, I need to hear. And here's what I, I, I'm a person of a million questions. I am. I'm constantly asking God questions. He says, come, let us reason together. So I say, God, why do you do it this way? Why is this? Why is that? Why are planes exist? I just ask some questions. I'm just interested. I'm interested in how things work. And God helped me, especially about my own life. He helped me years ago. He said, if you will stay just committed to a life of fellowship with me, everything you need to know, when you need to know it, I'll let you know. Sometimes that's hard because people want to tell you what you should be doing. Oh, but you should do this, you should do that. You know, that, I, I don't disagree with you. That sounds like good wisdom. God hasn't told me to do that. <laughs> I just tell people, I work here. I got another boss. I just punched the clock, baby. How do you decide where you're going to preach? It's very simple. God, what would you like to do today? Because you know all these people way better than me. So the word of God, the rhema word, comes to us as a byproduct of relationship with God. Now here's an important point to this all. We were designed to live governed by the word of God. And following the word of God insulates us from the difficulty of this world, but not only does it insulate us, it causes us to be victorious in this world. I work a lot with leaders and sometimes they bring problems to them. And I'm, I'm just listening sometimes when people, oh, this is going on, that's going on. And I'm always trying to listen. And a lot of times this is what the Lord will just tell me. This exists because Matthew 6.33 is not a settled issue in their life. So here's, here's Jesus' words. Let's look at Matthew 7. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So a wise man built his house on the rock. And how, how do you build your house on the rock? By doing what he says. And sometimes, it's as simple, I've learned working with people, it's as simple as not, like, what am I going to do with my life, that's all important, all that stuff, but it's as simple as just being a person of your word, showing up on time, please. These are all biblical things that sometimes we actually just got to start with life skills. Paying your bills on time, being a person of excellence, working hard at the place you're at. 
And when we begin to put those things into place in our life, our life begins to come into order. To a wise man who built his house on the rock, the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. I love this, because it was founded on the rock. Let me just declare to you, you don't need to be overcome by any difficulty that comes your way. Our biggest problem is not the devil. Our biggest problem is seeing the goodness of God in the middle of a crisis that comes to us. What does Paul say? Fight the devil? No. Fight the good fight of faith. What is faith? Simple trust in God. Then he goes to another side. But this is fascinating stuff that Jesus says, among the other thousand fascinating things he said. But but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Notice there, and you'll see a theme in Scripture, that both the wise and the foolish men hear the same thing. Listening to the word of God is an internal reality that becomes evident in, in what is produced in your life. And does not do them will be a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains ascended and the floods came and the winds blew on and beat in that house and it fell. And great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his teaching. Here's what's really interesting is on the outside, both of these, both of these two individuals, the foolish and the wise man, both heard the same thing. On the outside, they both looked like they had a sturdy house until the difficulty came. That's why I say it's not evident that the, the, the biblical evidence begins as an internal reality and then it comes out in what's produced. I've noticed that constantly the gospels talk about a multitude, a multitude, a multitude, a multitude being around Jesus. So, so what was happening around Jesus? They knew what Jesus looked like. They knew what his sermon sounded like. But there was a difference, and maybe they even gave money towards his ministry. So there was this culture around Jesus. There's a culture inside the body of Christ today. And sometimes we know the right things to say, we know the right things to do, but there's a a definitive difference between knowing that culture and actually being a disciple of Jesus and living out the kingdom of God. This is something the Lord spoke to me a number of years ago. I want to teach you how to live a life governed by my word. When you're governed by my word, you live a life without limits. You live above the circumstances of life. You live governed by my perspective that you can rest despite the situation. In these coming months and years, I'm going to teach a whole generation of people to be governed by my word and not move by the things of the earth, but move by heaven. I'm teaching my people in this season to no longer be earthbound in this season, but to be governed by the dictates of heaven. And so here's how part of this process works, and I think it's important to look at this process. When you come into the kingdom of God, the the beauty of God is he knew we were so messed up that we couldn't even get saved without his help. (laughs) You should say amen to that. 
doesn't matter how good you are, you know? Like, you might, you know, some people, most people get saved at the bottom of life. Some people get saved when they're doing pretty good and they just know they need Jesus. But you can't even get saved without God's help. And he gives you this gift he calls faith. Faith, according to Mark 11, is actually part of God himself because uh, Jesus teaches, he says, have faith like God. What is faith? Faith is God's trust in himself. When God decides to do something, it's not like he goes, I don't know if that's going to work. So he gives you this thing of faith to even respond to the gospel message. So now when you come into the kingdom, you come in by faith, but now you're also supposed to live by faith. According to Ephesians 2 and according to Romans 12, he gives every believer the measure of faith. And now you are responsible for stewarding this measure of faith that's on the inside of you. And when you come into the kingdom, this measure of faith was supposed to wrap itself around the word of God that you hear. Faith is so important that you can't understand the things of God without faith. The beauty of faith is this. Faith gives every person in this room the ability to no longer be governed by the five senses. Big difference between us and how the world is supposed to think. The world is governed by logic, reasoning. I can do that, I can't do that. Faith is governed exactly by what God said. Look at Hebrews 11. We'll look at this. Hebrews, excuse me. Hebrews 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. The day you got born again, you might not have cried, you know, slapped, you know, like some people, all you knew is something happened. What did you have? You had faith. It was the evidence of things not seen. You just knew something changed on the inside of me. Thank you, Jesus. It might not be, you know, and you might have had everybody in your family reminding you you're a bad person, (laughs) but you knew something had changed. And hopefully by the grace of God, they saw the evidence of what was not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Now, verse 3 is really helpful for Western believers because many believers want to understand and then have faith. But biblical faith is this, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. You don't understand and have faith. You have faith that causes you to understand. Big difference. Think about what we believe if you got born again. If you got born again, you believe that there was a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who speak the universe into existence, place a perfect man and woman in a garden. They fall out of alignment with him. God still's got a plan. Thank God. Jesus, the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. He finds a man called Abram. He's, him and his wife are way too old to have kids, but he, he actually speaks. Why? Because faith calls things be not as though they were. He goes, I'm going to make you. In you, a seed of great nations. Changes his name. Out of that lineage becomes a great nation. 
inside that lineage. He's telling us the whole time there's a Messiah coming. Israel doesn't fully fulfill God's will for, for God's purpose for them. They're still God's chosen people, though. 400 years of silence. The enemy is so deceived, he probably thinks he won. For the first time in human history, an, uh, an angel of the Lord comes to a young teenage girl and goes, the one they've been prophesying about, he's inside of you. You think it took faith to believe that? What does she say? I, I think English, New York, New Jersey translation, I don't know what you just said, but I believe. <laughs> What's the first thing she thought? She thought like a logical human. I haven't been with a man. Oh, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon the inside of you. The Savior of the world is born not at the Hilton. He's born in a manger. They follow a star. He doesn't start ministry right away, but he's perfect. You want to talk about who's in counseling? It's probably Jesus' brothers and sisters. How'd you like to grow up around a perfect brother or sister? <laughs> Why can't you be more like Jesus? <laughs> Jesus, you're so perfect. Yes, I am. He becomes an adult. He doesn't go into ministry right away. He becomes a carpenter. And I guarantee you his stuff wasn't being sold at Ikea. And it never went on sale if it was perfect. <laughs> you either pay full retail or you ain't getting Jesus' stuff. About 30, he begins his ministry. Most people think about 30. He picks a bunch of men who had a lot of issues. He didn't go to Harvard, though. He didn't go to the, the, the brightest school today. Why? Because God sees differently. He speaks like no other man spoke. He does miracles no other man did. John says the books of the world couldn't contain everything he did. And then he dies. The beautiful thing about Jesus is, if you, I encourage you, read the Gospel of John. No one took Jesus' life from him. He freely gave it up. Like the devil think he took, no, he didn't take his life. He's like, I'll give my life. He dies. He doesn't just Hollywood die. He really dies. He's dead for three days. And he rose again. That's what we believe. You can't understand that through your intellect. It causes faith to give you understanding. So the faith that God has given you, even when you come into the kingdom, is supposed to respond to the word of God that you hear. If your faith doesn't wrap itself around what it's heard, then it will profit you not anything. And this is where it gets really dangerous, because you can hear concepts over and over again, but without grabbing it by faith, you don't have to fully understand it, but if you don't grab it by faith, in your mind you can go, that's amazing, but, but, but in reality you are not producing what that word has been called to produce in your life. Look at Matthew 13. Jesus explains this concept here. Everybody still alive? Yeah. Jesus speaks extensively 
about what happens when the word comes forth. It's fascinating because in this context of teaching, he, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. Hold on a second. I always, I always do this when I'm reading scripture. I go, time out. He's saying, he who has ears, let him hear. Everybody there's got ears. Maybe they're not listening. That's why Paul would later teach us, faith comes by hearing. Abner translation, faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing. I'm serious. Because here's what I've learned walking with God. We come into the kingdom with our own ideas about God that we have to get delivered of. Family's not bad. Culture's not bad. None of those things are bad. But if they supersede how we relate to God, how we receive from God, then that's when it becomes difficult. Paul Paul also writes this, Romans 12. Brethren, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What's he illustrating? He's illustrating in the kingdom, you gotta be all in. All in. Because he calls it your reasonable service. And then he says, he's writing to believers. He's not writing to people out doing immorality, out voting for Bernie. You know, he's not doing any of that. <laughs> it's a little choke. It's a joke. <laughs> not really. But I figure I might be able to get away with that here. But uh, he's writing to believers. He says, don't be conformed. What does that mean? He says, you can actually be in the kingdom of God and have your thinking conform to this world system. Because God's kingdom is this, the rule of God, but it's also God's way of doing things. I feel God's passion for people because he'd like to intervene. He'd like to help them with that, but a lot of people just want to do it their own way. You don't want to do things your own way. So here he goes. He's teaching about what happens when the word comes forth. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. He explains it. I encourage you to read Matthew 13 on your own. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. We just read Hebrews 11. So I don't think it's a distortion to say this. When anyone hears the word of God and does not wrap their faith around it, Here's what he tells us happens. Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. What is the seed? The seed is the word of God. Most people reject what God is saying because it comes in seed form. It doesn't come in completed form. The same God who speaks the universe into existence, who calls things be not as though they were. He is constantly speaking. He's constantly trying to share us the power of his word to us. But he needs a willing heart that goes, I receive what you just said. I don't understand how it's all going to happen, but I receive the word of God. I've learned, 
I certainly haven't arrived in this, but I've learned that whenever I hear either someone teaching or either someone, I, I, I constantly try and, anytime I'm doing something, folding some clothes, try and listen to the Word of God, listen to the Word of God, listen to the Word of God. But once, I, once I, I'll stop sometimes when I'm listening to something, pause whatever I'm hearing, I go, I receive the Word of God, I receive the Word of God, because I don't want a moment to go by where I've heard something that God's going to hold me accountable and not receive it consciously go, I receive this for my life. The circumstance might be totally different than what you just said, or I need this to bring adjustment to my life. See, when God speaks, it locates, it locates what he said and where you're thinking. Why? Because the word of God divides you, and in that place, it's an invitation to shift the way you think. This is one who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on the stony place, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet it has no root in himself, but only endures for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arise because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So what happens? Yes, I got it. And then things start going the other way. Then the enemy tries to convince you, this is hard, this is too hard, you can't do it, you can't do it, can't believe, don't, don't believe that God stuff. You've, done it. You've always done it this way. Don't do it this way. Or, me, not you. Something's come up in your heart towards somebody. It happened when I was in Africa. And it just let it just sit there a little too long. It's, thoughts are not wrong. It's what you choose to do with your thoughts. Don't let the enemy beat you up because you have a bad thought. It's what you, if you, it, it's what you do with those thoughts. So I open my devotional one morning, start reading Proverbs 6 about offense and different things. So like, ooh, I, I need to forgive that person again. So I forgive him. And then a day later, you know what they did to you. The enemy will help you get offended at them. He'll help you along. Why? Faith comes by hearing. So does fear. So does bitterness. So does unforgiveness. All the stuff. So you receive it with joy, but then he tries to lock you back into that place of unbelief, of bitterness. So you don't want to let the enemy steal that seed that you have inside of you. Notice also, there's always a challenge to the word of God. Always. Always. Sometimes you hear whatever, you know, maybe they, at some point in the next six months, they have a project for a new soundboard. Pastor Gene announced it, and the Holy Spirit goes, I'd like you to give this amount. You're like, yes, yes, yes. Next week, we're going to receive the offering for it. All right, I'm ready. And you're driving home, and that little voice comes. That's a lot of money. You got to be practical. What happened? You received it with joy, and now he's trying to steal that harvest of that gift you're going to give. Logic and reason has kept people back from a lot of things God wants to give them. lost my place.
Oh, here we go. Verse 22. But now he who received the seed among thorns is, is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, choke out the word, and it becomes unfruitful. What's that one? I'll give you an example because I'm going home tomorrow morning. Man, we want you to sign up for the men's retreat. Holy Spirit, I want you to go to that. I want you to go to that. Next day at work, they go, on so-and-so weekend, you can receive double overtime. What's that? The cares of this world. Not wrong to work. Please work. Work, work is not God's judgment for your life. Despite what's happened to America in some places. Or anything. Cares of this world. Sometimes it's not bad things. Sometimes we, 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 we will choose things that are they're not sinful in and of, of themselves. But when they override the word of God, the seed of that word is stolen from us. Just one example. Verse 23. But he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and mixes faith with it, understands it, and in deeds bear fruit, produces some 100, some 60, and some 30. Here's my prayer. My prayer is, God, everything you've ever told me, may you receive a hundredfold return of anything you've ever told me. Let me get the greatest return you've ever said we could get in Scripture. We'll use one final example here, scriptural example. I love the story of David and Goliath because I can identify with it a lot. Here's another challenge to often what we hear from God. The enemy loves to challenge people with their present circumstances, not where they're going. Even today, receive prayer for healing for your neck. Had it long time. Driving home. You've had this for 22 years. You know this is part of your life. Keep it. What is he doing? He's using present circumstance. Notice also the enemy and his demons, they're always in the realm of the soul. That's why God is a, he's a spirit and he communicates to you through your spirit. So he communicates through your spirit and what he gives you can change natural things. The enemy is always focused on your eyes, your ears. He's always focused on things of the soul to try and get you to lead your life that way. And in this process, because we've walked this path, see everyone's discipled. Everyone has a worldview. And so what happens is sometimes when we begin to walk the path that God has intended us to walk on, he convinces us that's not normal. It's not normal. Dude. Not normal. You've been in church a while. It's not normal to do that. Can't you go to a normal church where they get you out in an hour? You know, like. But really, the way of the Spirit is the most normal, liberating life thing you can do. But because... Yes, in a certain sense, we've all been programmed to live a certain way. He tries to convince you, you're losing your mind. No, you're living with the mind of Christ. I remember, this is years ago, I was telling this story. I was sitting in a meeting, 
friend of mine's church had this project going on. And the Lord goes, I'll just tell you the amount. It's not a, like might not be a big deal, but when you have like 300 bucks in your bag, give $100. I said, the devil is a liar. few things I've learned too about the Lord. When he's speaking, he's speaking not only to your destiny, but to the destiny of seven generations to come. So he's speaking way beyond the moment that you're in. And he knows the future. So what he's trying to teach you is first of all, don't let God be, don't let money be your God. Second thing is, he's trying to teach you something about a lifestyle that he wants to give you. And in that moment, all these circles, you know, like college kid, you know, like, you know, and you give God all the good reasons. Why? Yeah, I'm college, you know, I'm, you know, you know. It's like, it's like, like I, sometimes I, I laugh, like I think like he doesn't know what's going on. Oh, okay, well, if you're not a college, like, if you're, not a, if you're a college kid, then you don't have to obey me. Think about the logic I'm using with God. But he was trying to begin to teach me about a certain thing in that area. I mean, quite honestly, now I spend $100 when I step into an airport. You know, it's like a tip these days. But he was trying to open up my understanding about something. And my current circumstances and my... The other thing was my unconformed thinking. I was being logical. I was being reasonable. I was using all really good examples of why I shouldn't do this. Here's the other thing I've learned walking with the Lord. It used to be, Abner, Abner, do this, do this, do this. And sometimes I go, really, you want me to do that? Okay, I wait for confirmation. I got real spiritual. And it would be loud, be loud for days. Because I have an agreement with the Lord. I'll do anything you ask me to do. And then he would tell me. He goes, remember you told me you do anything I asked you to do? Well, I didn't think you'd do that. He goes, I know. That's why I'm asking you. And the more you give in to that voice, now it's, now it's just, I'm just riding down. I'd like you to do this. Would you please do this? Would you do this for me? Do this for this person. Do this for this. Okay, yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Because he's gracious enough to teach you how to hear correctly, even when it's beyond your thinking, beyond your logic, beyond what you think you can do. I've learned God didn't ask me to do what I can do. He asked me to do what I could do with him. And so sometimes when he tries to, that's just money, but when he tries to develop in a certain area, maybe you come to a healing seminar and now every person you, you suddenly see at work is sick. And now you go, I got to practice this. He goes, you can't do it. It's not possible. You're going to get fired. Whatever it may be. And I'm not talking about doing rude things at work. I'm just saying, learning to walk with the Lord. Finish with this. Have you got something out of this today? Yeah. Story of David and Goliath. There's a part in there that has, that's really opened my eyes to certain things, but it's this. David, 
shows up to this battlefield. And whether you know it or not, there's a war for your soul. The enemy is not nice. People just think like, oh, he just wants a bit of dabble. No, no, no. He wants to destroy you. Don't give him any reason to try and touch any part of your life. There's nothing in hell that you want. There's not anything profitable. There's not anything where you'll stand before Jesus and go, yeah, I wish I would have done this over here. You're, you Trust me. You don't, you don't want that. But David shows up for battle. He brings these sandwiches to his brothers. Jesse goes, bring cheese and bread to your brothers. He shows up and he hears Goliath doing the same thing, just taunting. See, a lot of places in people, if we would just take authority and speak back to him in any area, whatever it is, your kids are not going to be saved, this is going to happen, this is just all going to be this. We have to speak back to that voice or else we just keep talking because it works. Some of the biggest thing he has against believers is just intimidation. Why? Because it works. Don't let him intimidate you. And it's not in your own strength, but I say it by the grace of God. I'll stay pure. It's always in his strength, not your own strength. If you ever think you're the source of it, you're really going to mess up. And he'll let you fall and they go, now I can help you. <laughs> but Goliath is taunting the people. And David looks at this Goliath and he says to the, he says to the, uh, the, the guys who are all trained for battle, they're all warriors, they say to him, uh, they, he, go, he says to him, what's going to happen to the man who defeats Goliath? And they go, you get the king's daughter, she's a good looking girl. Number two, you get no taxes. And he asks not just once, but he asks twice. And I, I did a timeout thing when I read that. I read it over and over again, but about a year ago I read it. I go, wait, 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 wait. This is fascinating. All these guys who were trained for battle, all of them had been members of Full Gospel Church for 15 years. I'm using modern day. They've been to the special service. They got anointed with oil. They've been talking in tongues for 22 years now. They know how to prophesy. They're good people. And they know something David does not know. But what they know does not profit them because they don't wrap their faith around it. David hears it and goes, he uses what he hears to give himself a prophetic picture of what it's going to look like to see Goliath defeated. And this is where the wubba meets the woad. Because I want to submit to you today. Everyone in this room has the same Bible. Everyone in this room has the same commitment of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit towards them. And the beautiful thing about God is everything he's ever asked us to do, he's given us the ability to do. He's given us the grace to do. But it goes back to the garden. He can't force you to do what he wants you to do. But the beautiful thing is like, 
This, I just know this is what it's like walking with God. God, I can't. That's, 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 that doesn't make any sense. That's really hard. That, I don't see how that could happen. No, you, you can do it. You can do it. Are you sure? Yes. Please do. Oh, God, I give you all the glory because I've never done that before. But you're the one who gave me the power to do that. I can't see with my own natural eyes how I can do this, but I'm going to trust you to do it. And I'm just going to take a step forward. And as you do that, I've also learned this, that little thing of fear. If you want to walk with God, you'll have to learn how to break that fear thing over and over and over again. And sometimes I got to talk to it. Fear, you have no place in me. I'm a man of faith. By the faith of God, I'm going to walk this out. Final thing that I always encourage people to do. Any area of your life right now that you have a challenge, you have a difficulty, or that you know doesn't measure up with the word of God, find the scripture, put the problem in one place, put the scripture in another place, and start meditating and speaking over that thing every day, every day, every day, every day. Character flaws you have, maybe you get upset or get flustered or when, you know, whatever, you know. Thank you, God, for self-control. I know sometimes I lose it with these people. Sometimes I get upset. Thank you, God, for self-control. But the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and self-control. Worry. I cast all my care upon you, Lord, because you care for me. This is not my problem for me. Sickness. By your stripes, I'm healed. Depression. Thank you, Lord, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Fearful for every problem. Lord, thank you that there's a word that fixes this problem. And you begin to take responsibility over the problems in your life. Or you can pause, sometimes like I do. How do you see this situation, God? How are we going to break through in this situation? Because I know what your will is. I know what you want to do. So show me how this... Oh, hold off on that. You can, you can begin to pray for that. But there's some things I need to put into place before you break... Okay, no problem, God. So what do we do? We always go back to headquarters. But you start in faith. This is what I've learned working with the Lord. You have to start in faith, stand in faith, and finish in faith. David had the word from God to defeat Goliath. How did he finish? Now, this is, this is where logic and reasoning get thrown out. Who shows up for a battle with five stones? It's ridiculous. Only a man who knows the voice of God. Doesn't make any sense. Saul's going, you need to put some armor on. What are you doing? Sorry, Saul. I do warfare a little differently. I do warfare by worship and prayer. So sometimes God will ask you to do, I mean, odd things. Think I, I've ended up places like, why am I, like, why am I here? I'm here because God told me. At some place, a lady goes, why are you here? Good question. I'm here because God sent me. I was in a meeting. I'm basically like, 
you know, everybody, it's, it all made sense why the other people were in the meeting. They kind of look at me. Why are you here? I'm here because God sent me. And they all look, well, that's good for us. Let's just go on with the meeting. <laughs> Sometimes even worldly people can understand certain things. I mean, well, I will land the planet this. Can you imagine Joshua? Israel, we're going to the promised land. All right, Joshua, what's the plan? What's the plan, Joshua? We're gonna, we're gonna, what are we gonna get, get, what do we gotta get the, the arrows, the, you know, we got the tanks ready. No, 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 here it is, guys. I got it from the Lord. The wall, the city's completely shut up. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna march around every morning one time. Could you have seen their faces? And then on the last day, we're gonna march around seven times and shout like Pentecostals. makes no sense. What do they do, though? They finished in faith. Because what God delights in doing is he delights in doing things where it's so evident that it's him. It's crazy, right? How are you going to do this? And he does it. You miss a term, just go, God, forgive me. Get right back on the path. God, I f- forgive me. Sometimes, honestly, you just need to repent for unbelief, for trusting yourself. Unbelief is one of the most tolerated things in the body of Christ. And we use scripture a lot of times to do it. Just because you got a scripture for something doesn't mean it's God. And you'll have friends who tell you that's the right thing to do. Well, just be reasonable. Most reasonable people are not changing the world. Amen? Amen. Hey, thanks for being patient. You receive this word? Yes. If you receive this word, just lift your hands to heaven. Hmm. Uh, just this afternoon, just before we close, I just have this sense in my heart. I'm just going to count to three in a minute. But by the grace of God, if you... If you just want to make a fresh commitment to seek God's kingdom first, to put his word first, I'm just going to count to three, and I want you to stand. And it's not just standing. It's not just something to do. But I believe that there's this powerful moment of grace that God's going to meet us with this afternoon. And there's some of you, you're facing some things where you, you, you do need God's grace and help. And when you're standing, it's a prophetic act where you're saying, I trust you, God. I don't know how it's going to work, but I trust you. So if you say yes to that, one, two, three, just stand. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hmm. Just wait a moment. Just let the Lord minister to you. Let the Lord minister peace to you. Let the Lord minister refreshing to you. Let the Lord strengthen you. This is the divine moment between you and the Lord.
I declare to some of you that breakthrough has begun just by virtue of you standing, that a divine change is happening just because you stood this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Hmm. Some of you just take a moment and just cast your burden upon the Lord, whatever area it may be. To say, Lord, I give this to you. It's not big enough for me to handle. I'm not big enough to, to handle this issue. I'm not big enough to handle that. Some of you, it's work situation. Some of you, it's your own children. Some of you, it might be sickness or disease. Just, just say, Lord, I, I give this to you. So in Jesus' name, I bless you today to not only be a hearer, but a doer of the word of God. I declare that today, this afternoon, is a divine adjustment between your life and the the ways of heaven. I bless your ears to know the voice of God. I bless you to follow the voice of God. I bless you to know that you're favored by God in heavenly places. I lift off burdens off of you, and I declare that your place of living is from a place of peace. I bless you with the mind of Christ. I bless you with the favor. I say that the favor of God is on you. The favor of God surrounds you. The favor of God goes before you and opens a door no man can shut. May you be fruitful and abound in every good work. And may the life that God intends you to live flow through you. May words of prophecy and the word of God come out of your mouth. May healing be seen on your hands. May your eyes see, as Jesus told us, that if anyone is born again, he can see the kingdom of God. May you see the things available to you in the kingdom of God. May fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit define your life. May the cares of this world And deceitfulness of riches never choke out the word of God. May you live the abundant life that God has called you to live. May every mountain that you face bow to the word of God and the name of Jesus. I bless you that as you meditate on the book of the law, the book book of the words of God, that God, according to Proverbs, the third chapter, will extend to you the years of your life. May no sickness, may no disease, may no plague come upon you. May no weapon formed against you shall prosper. May no evil befall you. May you know your God and be strong and do exploits. May you always see the word of God as your highest standard. May it always bring life to you and strength to your soul. May the blessing of God empower you to be everything God's called you to be. May you leave 
a righteous inheritance to your children's children. May the joy of the Lord always be your strength. May encounter with the Lord be a daily part of your life. Father, I bless Full Gospel Church to fulfill every eternal thing it's called it to fulfill. I just see nights where you're going to come together and just worship God. That's all you're going to do. You're just going to come in here and worship. And out of that place of worship, people will hear the voice of God. Prophecies will come forth. Words will come forth for the benefit of their life and the benefit of this region. There's a prophetic dimension that God wants to add to this church as never before. He wants you to make you watchmen and seers as never before. So I bless this church with that. Father, let miracles come forth. Let a harvest come forth. Father, let people come to this church. They don't even know why they're here. Let them just walk in Sunday morning, Wednesday nights, anytime they meet, Lord. Let them just come and say, I must know you're God. Father, let the Muslims come in. Let the Indians come in. Let the, let the Jews come in. Let them all come in, Lord. Let this be a house. The Lord says, I desire this house to be a house of all nations. The Lord says, I want you to contend for an unprecedented harvest of souls. I want you to contend for your portion of the people that belong in this house. There are people out there today that need to be part of this church. May Psalm, the second chapter, be your guide. The Lord says, let Psalm, the second chapter, be your guide. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations and the uttermost parts of the earth as your inheritance. Father, may this house receive its inheritance. They'll come in, prophetic voices. They'll come in, workers of miracles, to empower the people of God in this house. The Lord says, no eye has seen, no ears heard the things that I prepared for you as a people. No eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that I have prepared for full gospel and for your life. May that be the theme in this coming year for this house. Mm. Why don't you give God praise? Did you look this way? Thank you very much for allowing me to minister to you. It's been a real pleasure.